Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Epic, a true MC to the game here in Orlando. We welcome those of you again inside Studio Z, inside of our broadcast booth. This is the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, hosted by myself and Michael Gray, product of the Virginia Union, Central Florida. Hot and dry, pretty nice today. High eighties, around eighty-four. And uh, Mike, what's going on, my man? Not much, man. It's pretty nice out here as well. It's, it's, it's getting close to the 80s, too. It's good weather, uh, good vibes out here. It's just, um, it's, it's in a great space right now. I'm doing good. How about you? We're doing well. We're doing well here. Uh, a lot of parody and mayhem in this last couple weeks here in the sports world. You know, we got the draft coming up this upcoming Thursday, the NFL schedule coming out last week, and then the excitement and the parody of the NBA playoffs. But we're gonna get we're gonna get to that, you know, in, in our later segments because that that stuff has just been crazy with yeah. some of the outcomes and some of the first round matchups nearing an end here today. And our opening segment out and sponsored by Revamp Barbershop. Revamp Barbershop, the official partners of the Sevy Podcast Radio Show. Located on the campus of Central Florida, myself, Ricky Chandler, and the gang has invited the entire community. If you want your beards, your shape-ups, your tape-ups, anything that you want to get groomed in your face, your next bet might just be revamped. Barbershop, and this is my opening segment today. And Mike, we're going to get right into it here. The NFL draft, most people say the consensus number one pick is Kyler Murray. What this guy's done last year. You know, 41 touchdowns, 26 interceptions. Lincoln Riley, you know, there's speculations he would have been the Dallas Cowboys' next coach after Jason Garrett. He said he's adamant that he's staying with the Booner Sooners in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield last year, Heisman Trophy winner. And now this year, Kyler Murray. And now Kyler Murray being potentially another consensus, back-to-back number one overall picks for Oklahoma. And, And the Arizona Cardinals seem all in on this guy pairing up with Cliffs Kingsbury in his debut season for the Arizona Cardinals. Your thoughts on that pairing? Yeah, I, I would I would love to see it because, you know, Kyler Murray is very familiar with him. He loves the system. He knows what's going on. And uh, he's he's a great dual threat quarterback. I think, you know, a lot of the – a lot of like all, even though it's a great system as far as what Arizona is concerned, they do need to uh, put a lot of different pieces around him as far as get him, get him a better offensive line and better weapons on the outside. But as far as the system and where he would be placed in the NFL, I think Arizona would be a great fit for him. Definitely, rightfully there. So Cliff Kingsbury is uh, days back there in the Texas Tech Raiders with Mike Leach, that high-explosive, high-powered offense that they used to air raid mm-hmm. offense, per se, in the Big 12 there. And, and, and when we start looking past Kyler Murray, um, there's, there's other quarterbacks in this draft. You got Dwayne Haskins, 50 touchdowns for Ohio State. You got Daniel Jones, a late first-rounder projected um, as well. Um, tell us some teams that are quarterback needy and where you think these type of quarterbacks can end up in the first round. I think the Miami Dolphins are quarterback needy. Um, they definitely they definitely should, 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 pick up, should take up a quarterback. To be honest with you, they might get the quarterback from Duke. Um, yeah, Daniel Jones, yeah, right. They might, they might get him as well. I think, they, I think they're definitely quarterback needy. Obviously, my New York football giants are quarterback needy. I don't know whether <laughs> I don't know whether or not we're gonna get a quarterback with number six or number seventeen, but I know one of these picks need to be a quarterback. Um, well, what do you do? What, what Mike? I, I present you this. What do you do if the Arizona Cardinals call you in and say, "Hey, Josh Rosen is available"? Then what do you do? Do you take Haskins at six, or do you take Josh Rosen, who you know upside is still you know to be determined because we really can't evaluate them after a year as a starter for the Arizona Cardinals? We know they're they're 
you know, structures a debacle out there in the desert. So what do you do with the sixth pick if you're Dave Edelman? If I'm Dave Edelman, what I do is I draft Dwayne Haskins and I and I and I and I um and I and I move on and get the, the next available player because we need a quarterback. Like we passed on a quarterback too many times in the draft over the past few seasons. Eli is not getting any younger. We are, we need to start getting ready for the future after Eli because more than likely this is going to be his last season in New York. So we need to start getting ready for it, and, and, and we can't pass on the quarterback this year. But what I'm hearing about what, the, what Dave Gettleman and the Giants organization is going to do is they're going to get the best available player, which is more than likely going to be a defensive player, at number six. And then at number 17, they're going to pick up a quarterback, which might be which, which, which the best available quarterback by that time might be the quarterback from Duke, like you said. So um, if I was Dave Gettleman, I'd get Dwayne Haskins get to get the quarterback at number six. But – it from what the rumors and what I'm hearing, it doesn't look like it's gonna be it's gonna happen that way. Why? Well, when well, let's do let's let's um, touch on that topic right there. When you talk about this draft, obviously, I believe personally in talking to scouts, it's gonna be defensive heavy. No, you know, you well, got guys push. like you got Nick Bosa. We already know a, yes. about his brother in L.A. with Joey. I mean, he, people are saying he's got better hands than him. That's scary yeah. to think about. And then you've got guys like Devon White, yep. um, a potential Telvin Smith type of hybrid linebacker who can cover sideline to sideline and a hard-hitting linebacker and a leader from LSU. You got guys like Quentin Williams. I mean, they say his upsides could be potentially Calais Campbell. He blows up everything inside the trenches. And we know every we all know about the Crimson Tide prospects from Alabama. Right. And so when, when you when you think about what Dave Edelman is saying at six, you know, let's say if you pass up on you, you get one of those transcendent talents on the defensive end. Is you know Daniel Jones going to be available? You've got Miami Dolphins searching for a quarterback. Right. I believe Tannehill isn't the answer. You've got right now the Cincinnati Bengals at eleven. They're saying that okay, well we haven't won a playoff game with Andy Dalton. May should we search for a quarterback? So that they, they may be playing with fire here, wouldn't you say, for the New York Giants? If they go that route, yes, they may be playing with fire. And I, to be honest with you, it might not be a bad route getting a defensive lineman or a top defensive player because we need to beef up that side of the ball anyway. Right now, the, the New York Giants, are um, the, the, one of their weakest points is on the interior, especially in the defensive line. Um, and, and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we do pick up the best defensive lineman available at that number six. Um, but to me personally, I just feel like what – We've passed on in years past. If if we don't get a quarterback, uh, the best available quarterback, especially at number six, we could be playing with fire because, like you said, the Miami Dolphins need a quarterback. Cincinnati Bengals, the Washington Redskins might be wanting to go in the uh, away. Right, the Redskins may trade up. Yeah, right, trade up and try to get a quarterback as well. So you're definitely right. We might be playing with fire, but at the same time, the talent that this that is in that is, that is in the, in this draft, as far as defense on the defensive side of the ball, is absolutely amazing. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like a pick em. You can't really go wrong. But at the same time, I would love to see them get the best available quarterback. Right. Saquon Barkley, obviously, we know what he did. A legendary rookie season. And now it looks like Shepard being the number one for the New York football giants as well. And, of course, you got a decision to make best available or franchise quarterback there for the New York Giants. I want to touch on back with um, some of the other stars that we're not talking about. Uh, DJ, uh, DK Metcalf. I mean, guys like him and then uh, late first round uh, players as well. Um, when he's projected to be the top rated wide receiver. What, what, what in the game right now today, what's his best asset? And what do you think that he, a player that he most resembled to you? I think his hands, his hands could possibly be his best asset and his speed down the field. He reminds me of a Julio Jones. I'm not saying he can be Julio Jones, but as far as body type and build wise and what he can do on the on the football field as as he um, uh, tra- progresses in his career, he reminds me of a Julio Jones type of player because he has the speed, the size, the hands, and uh, the quickness. Like you, you've never seen somebody. With, the, with this size, being able to run a 4-3 with a 40.5-inch vertical. That's insane. I mean, his brother, the brother's athletic. He can, he can, he's, he's one of the most athletic players I've ever seen. Definitely, definitely one of the top uh, two or three athletic players in this draft, yet alone. So and he definitely reminds me of Julio Jones, and his ceiling is high, uh, depending on how, how hard he's willing to work. Absolutely. Definitely there. Um, DJ Metcalf, uh, DK Metcalf, per se, out of Ole Miss, one of the stars to watch out in this draft. Um, you know, what, what do you say about scouts that are uncertain about him? They say that 
the injury issues, the the drops. Um, he's had a lot of drops in a, in in out there in Ole Miss, and of course the route running, the inability of route running. Uh, what do you say to scouts like that if you're evaluating his game? Well, yes, um, the route running, the route running, you can work on that. You can work on the route running and the technique. You can get better technique technique in the NFL when it comes to that. But there's certain things in, in, in the NFL that even even these scouts can agree with. You can't teach size. You can't teach athleticism. Can't teach speed. Speed kills. Speed, speed <laughs> kills, especially in, in today's game. Ask Tyree Kill. <laughs> exactly. He has certain as he has certain aspects to his game that you just can't teach. You can teach him uh, as far as the route the route tree and how to you know be more technically sound with his footwork and as far as routes is concerned. He can work on his hands and continue to you know put in the overtime after practice and work work hard continuously year after year and game after game. He can get better at those things, but he has certain aspects that you just can't teach. So. He's one of those guys that you wouldn't want to pass up on, and I know who, whatever team picks him up on in the draft will feel like they have the steal. Right. Tell us a sleeper in, in this draft that we're not talking about. Maybe Rashawn Gary out of um, Michigan, um, a Wolverine, a very great D tackle inside. Um, maybe one of the offensive tackles. You know, the Notre Dame uh, kid. You you got guys. In, in corners like Williams out of LSU, a guy that not a lot of people are talking about that can really make a splash for one of these franchises in the first round. I love Dexter Lawrence from Clorn, from from Clemson. He's uh, the defensive tackle that was at Clemson. I love his speed. I love his athleticism. He's a, he's very light on his feet, and he, he quick and he can move well. I actually have another player I wanted to talk about that a lot of people aren't talking that a lot of people aren't, aren't talking about, but. He's he's rated pretty high in, in the draft as far as I'm concerned. He's an offensive lineman. His name is um, Jawan Taylor out of Florida. Absolutely, Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor is special. Like what they what he can do uh, as far as his lateral movement. He's a baller. He's um he's one of the he's one of the best offensive tackles in in in, in the draft this season. And also, he's physical. He's nasty. He knows how to put you in the dirt, and he knows how to finish blocks. And I love, I love offense. Like I used to play offensive linemen, and we used to love, but they we used to preach all the time. Finish blocks. The block is never over until the man is in the dirt. And that's that's one of the things that I, I love seeing Jawan Taylor do when I watch his film, when I watch his highlights. He loves to put players in the dirt, and he's one of the top, one of the top offensive linemen in the draft. And I, I expect him to go. I, to be honest with you, I expect him to go in the top ten. Yeah, rightfully so. Uh, Jawan Taylor, we get a chance to watch a lot of his stuff down here in Florida. Just a nasty guy yeah. from the point of uh, from the point of attack, and then one of his greatest asset is is not only uh, pass protecting but also run blocking. It's just a vicious, nasty guy that just picks up linebackers and then toss them around like rag dolls. Definitely a guy to be in the top ten for. We want to shift gears here, Mike, um, to the NFL uh, schedule here. Yeah. Obviously, the team that's going to be under the most spotlight this season is the Cleveland Browns. They've got five, and I repeat, five national televised games this year last year they had a donut they had zero so you bring in baker mayfield well kareem hunt he won't be available until week eight you got uh obj we all know the blockbuster trade that your football giants your boneheaded football giants yeah. made uh, to bring odell beckham to cleveland for the 17th um number 17 uh pick and then to pair him up with his you know lsu tiger bayou brother with Jarvis Landry, and then on the defensive side again, another former Giant, well, Olivier Vernon, and Miles Garrett, what he is. So the the spotlight is going to be on the Browns. They've got five national televised games. When you look at their schedule, what's their ceiling this season? The Cleveland Browns, with their ceiling. I think they can. I think they they can make the they can make the playoffs. I don't. I don't know if they will. I think they might. I think it's a high possibility that if Cleveland comes up short this season because all the hype that's surrounded by Cleveland, you got to know these other NFL teams are waiting to, to get after them. They're waiting to. They're salivating at the opportunity of playing them, especially these teams on national television, because the NFL has made it clear with all these national TV games that the Cleveland Browns have gotten. They're making it clear that that the, the Browns are must see TV. The Browns right. are a team that that people want to see, and uh, that they. They have the NFL's attention as a, t- as a team that can make some noise. I think they possibly can make the playoffs because of how lethal they are offensively. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how far they would go in the playoffs because I actually have the Steelers winning their division. I think the Steelers are the most. And Mike, I do as well. I, I have, well, I have, 
I have the Steelers winning that division because I think the there's not a more motivated team coming into this season than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think the fact that they got that distraction out of Antonio Brown out of their locker room is only going to make matters better for them. They still have a great team. Antonio Brown was not the make-or-break piece of that team. And so when, when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, I do see their feeling being pretty high because the expectations haven't been high for them uh, in years past. I think they possibly can make the playoffs, but I don't see them making a big-time playoff run because they're going to get literally every team's best shot. Every team's best shot because of all the hype they're getting this offseason. Well, on that, obviously, you know, the Steelers are going to miss Antonio Brown. I've, I've said this before. Oh, Antonio's Brown last six and seven seasons – as in terms of production and his numbers, only Jerry yep. Rice compares yep. to his numbers in the past six or seven seasons. That's just unheard of. I mean, that's f- first ballot Hall of Famer, Canton, Ohio, you know, numbers. That's just outrageous. Without, without but the, 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 the jury's going to be on Juju Smith-Schuster to be the number one. I think he's going to step in that role. You still got uh, Washington, a first-rounder last year from Oklahoma State. And then mm-hmm. James Conner is guy we remember Le'Veon Bell going to the to the uh Jets as well so you're gonna get the best version of the Pittsburgh Steelers because they're gonna be motivated and they're gonna have a chip on their shoulder shoulder showing that Bell and Brown weren't the only reasons that the team used to run they're a great franchise with great ownership I expect them to win the division last year and Mike I'm looking at the schedule here for the Browns the four of their last six games ending the season are against divisional foes you know what I'm saying you uh five of the last seven, excuse me. They play uh the Ravens twice, they play um the Steelers once, and they played the Bengals twice. You know, we all know about division team foes. What do they know? They know your playbook, you know. So it's gonna be brutal for such a young team. Baker Mayfield, I love him, I love everything about him, but in a second year quarterback with in such a young team who hasn't been there, Freddie Kitchens is gonna have to you know, manage that locker room because down the stretch in the schedule here, five of the last seven games are against divisional foes and they're going to be battle tested going into the postseason if they get there. No doubt. And I definitely want to shout out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of the things that, that also is going to keep them relevant this season is going to help to help push them to a, to a very good season. They have one of the, they have one of the best offensive lines in football. Like you saw what Le'Veon Bell was able to do with that offensive line. Yes. Le'Veon Bell was making noise and he's one of the top running backs in the game. But a lot of it had to do with that offensive line because you saw how James Conner was able to come in and have a 1,200-yard season um, b- behind that same offensive line. This offensive line is nasty. These guys like Pouncey and, and Gilbert and these guys, they, they are James nasty. Villanueva, right? Yeah, Villanueva, they are nasty, man. They get after you. They don't care. They, they're, they're physical in, in run blocks, and they're also physical in pass protection as well. Like, like, for example, I see, I see plenty of times where Mark, where Pouncey is uncovered and he's going to find work and he's going to blast the guard, blast the defensive tackle or blast the defensive end and help his guys out. This offensive line is nasty, and I feel like as long as they have this offensive line intact, they're always going to be lethal offensively because they can run the ball and pass the ball. Right, and we can't forget one of my most favorite uh, underrated coaches in the NFL and John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar no Jackson era has begun. You know, they Joe Flacco is no longer there. Lamar Jackson, I think he's the most exhilarating, electrifying guy since Mike Vick. You know, I mean, the things he can do with his legs. Obviously, jury's going to be on him to be to to his development as a passer. But what this brother can do, you tell you want to talk about Kyler Murray special with his leg. I don't think there's nobody faster in the game than Lamar Jackson. Video game speed. You right. know what I'm saying? And then what do we know about the Baltimore Ravens? They pride themselves on defense. Yep. They had the top-rated defense last year. Right. I believe that they're going to compete for the division as well. And and look, this division's wide open. The Browns are getting all the spotlight, but <laughs> it's a scary sight to think that the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens are being overlooked. Right. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, I think I think the I think the yeah, you you're absolutely right. The Baltimore Ravens with with Lamar Jackson, I think he takes the next step this season. I think he continues to improve off of what he did last year, and um, I definitely see I, I definitely see the uh, the Ravens because you know the Ravens were the, the like you said the top rated defense last year. They did lose C.J. Mosley and Eric Weddle in the offseason. but right. I still feel like defensively they can be solid and, and top notch and, and make some things happen. But I think more so offensively with what they can do as far as running the ball and passing. I think the Ravens' offense will take a step forward and help propel them to to, to make up for the 
the slack that they lost on defense as far as the top key players that they lost. So you you make a great point. They, in my opinion, the Baltimore Ravens are the toughest competition to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the division. I know that they're, they're like nip and tuck with Cleveland. The only thing I, I Cleveland's offense is lethal, like you like we like we talked about. The offense is offensive firepower that they have. It should be a juggernaut. Yeah, it should be a juggernaut without question. But the question is, will that offensive line hold up to make make them a juggernaut? And how good is this defense? That that's my question with the Cleveland Browns. Is the offensive line and their defense? Is the offensive line good enough to hold up for Baker Mayfield? And and how solid is this defense? But as far as Baltimore is concerned, you're right. They have a formula. They have a system. They have a, a way that they do things over there. They already set. And I, I I see I see this this division. You're right. Being a three-headed monster between those three. Absolutely. There. Uh, other key matchups we're looking at. Obviously, we've got uh, Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. Act two. You know, that's later on this year, uh, the schedule coming out. We, we thought that would be, you know, the Patriots championship banner game, you know, coming into this season. But it ended up being Pittsburgh and New England. Obviously, you always got great division matchups, the, the, uh, the Giants and the Eagles, the Giants and the Cowboys um, to start off. And then, and, and then the Bears, the Bears and the Packers, 100th. Um, you know, meeting. And so uh, any key matchups or rematches or or any, you know, storyline matchups coming into the season that you're looking forward to? That's a good one. But I'm definitely I'm definitely looking forward to that um, Kansas City New England game. There's something about the Kansas City New England game that I, I, I love Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is one of the one of the is going to be one of the top quarterbacks when it's all said and done. And he literally battled Tom Brady, nip, tick for tack, and, and nip and tuck the entire way, um, just in, in that AFC Championship game last season. Just just couldn't score in the first half and put up 31 points in the second half. That was the difference in the game, in my opinion. This was what they were able to do to him in the first half. But I, I love to see that matchup because I know he's going to be motivated coming back into this season. They were literally one game away and an overtime away from making it to the Super Bowl last season, and an offside from D Ford. To be honest with you. But at the same time, I love that matchup. I would love to see what he does against Tom Brady again this time around because Tom Brady isn't going anywhere. We know he's getting older, but at the at the same time, he's not going anywhere, and we know how lethal he can be when when big when big games arrive. He knows how to shine and show up. So I'm definitely looking forward to that type of matchup. And also, Sebi, I'm definitely looking forward to the Green Bay Chicago game to start off the season. That game right there is uh, is going to be interesting because of the way. That that may have a, a lot, lot of implications in the NFC North. Early in the season, exactly. Early in the season, that may have a, a whole bunch of implications because the way Chicago went out last year, losing uh, to Philly at, at the field with that missed field goal, you know they're motivated to come in and prove that they belong and, and they should have made a, a legitimate further playoff run. And Green Bay, Green Bay um, missing the playoffs last season with all this noise about Aaron Rodgers being a bad teammate. And all the on all the ex former players coming out coming out talking about him, you know he's going to be motivated coming into this season because he didn't have his best season. He didn't have an Aaron Rodgers like season last year. It was one of the down years in his career. And but but stats wise, it, was, it wasn't that bad. But you know he threw a lot of incompletions and a lot of a lot of uh, inaccurate passes. So it was a down year compared to the normal Aaron Rodgers we're used to seeing. So I'm definitely intrigued to see how these two teams come out as far as the top defense in Chicago. And, and with and with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, and, we're, we're, and I, I love it. I can, I'm looking forward to see that matchup because I know it's going to be two hungry teams going at it. Definitely, there the Chicago Bears' stingy second rank defense last year, led by Khalil Mack, along with obviously you know we can the walk to him Hall of yeah. Fame Aaron Rodgers should be a great matchup to start off the NFL season, folks. Don't go anywhere because when myself Michael Gray come back. We have an exclusive, a special guest all the way from Staten Island. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast radio show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. We welcome those of you again inside Studio Z, inside of our broadcast booth here. Right here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, myself, Michael Gray, and a newest guest here on the show with us. This man, my man, if you guys haven't noticed him, he is the man out of bounds sports. They call himself Omar. 
you guys can check him out on all of his social media platforms. He, he's the man on Instagram. You know, he, he's, he, he does it all. He's kind of universal like I am. Um, you know, he, he's got the soccer. He's got the MLB. He's got the NFL, the NBA action with the playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, Omar with us here on the hard line today. What's going on, my man? What up, Seb? What an actually great introduction. You know that? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. What up, Michael? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? How you doing? Nice to, nice to, nice to speak to you guys finally. Not really meet you, but speak to you. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Same to you, man. No doubt. No doubt there. Um, here with us here, Omar. And um, we want to go ahead and talk about the UCL, um, the, the Champions League right now. It's obviously being overlooked because of all the actions on all the major sports here in the U.S. But what people don't know is soccer is actually a global sport and probably the number one sport in the world. Everybody loves soccer. Everyone, everyone plays soccer. Well, out there in Europe, you know, we've had some great we talk about parody in the NBA playoffs. Well, what about parody in soccer? You know, Ajax. Ajax years in the 90s with those teams all of a sudden this resurged themselves and got into the last four against Tottenham. Tottenham, you want to talk about that matchup, Omar. Uh, thus far, Son. Homin Son has been electrifying for Tottenham. And looking at this matchup, your first thoughts going up against Ajax, the, the Cinderella team. So Tottenham as a team, you know, I don't think they're. I don't think they're as well oiled a machine as the young and energetic Ajax might be, and you know both of these teams they're gonna be they're gonna be trying to put the ball in the back of the net every single chance they get, and Ajax is Ajax is definitely I'm guaranteeing that for Ajax 100. Now you watch Tottenham against Man City, the young Minson was on fire. That's the mentality he went into the, those games with. Every shot he had the chance, he took. A good one, and he took it, and he made those shots. I mean, absolutely insane curves. I mean, this, this guy's this guy's amazing. So, with that being said, I mean, they, they're both going to be trying to put the ball in the back of the net every chance they get. And for Tottenham going into this, I, I feel like they might not know what hit them. I mean, Juve didn't know what hit them. Real Madrid right. didn't know what hit them. So right. we got to see what Ajax does against another energetic team up front uh, in Tottenham. So that's that that's that's my uh, my thesis on that matchup. Mm. Right, right. You want to talk about Juve um, with Cristiano Ronaldo. We all know Cristiano Ronaldo, the highest paid player of any sport, just the highest paid player in any sport in the world, period. Uh, $84 million. <laughs> How insane is that, Mike? Uh, wow. Uh, ever, Cristiano Ronaldo, he goes to Juve after nine seasons um, from Real Madrid, and there were a lot of expectations for him, and now they're bounced out. And then when you look at the other matchup here, you look at Liverpool against Lionel Messi, obviously the greatest player of our generation. Yeah. Uh, with Barcelona, you know, Liverpool. Um, they're my dark horse team, actually, Omar, that I picked to win the Champions League. I'm a huge uh, Sané and Salah fan. And they have, in just that trio, Firmino, Salah, and Mane, I don't think there's been a defense that has schematically done anything to stop this trio. Uh, they just have a knack for scoring goals. Your thoughts on that matchup there? Um, if you don't mind, after this, I want to just say something about Juve. But uh, for, for Liverpool and and um, and Barcelona, let's be honest. This is the biggest opponent Liverpool has faced since last year's UCL final. With a, right. a season in which they did face Man City and they beat them with a weaker team, just keeping it real. And I, I think they're capable of going back to the final again. They're my dark horse pick, just like you. But it's a very interesting matchup. Jurgen Klopp is going to have his hands full tactically. In my opinion, Liverpool have to play counterattacking football. Now, I agree. Fabinho might have to sit back a little more. And this is where Klopp would like to have someone like, you know, a Felipe Coutinho who plays now for Barcelona. So that's going to be interesting to see who he picks for the midfield in front of uh, next to and in front of Fabinho going forward. Now, Barca's patient in the final third. They will be like always, and they're gonna try to find their best shot. I mean, it, it's sometimes you're just like, how did they make this happen? It's whenever you watch the, the goals they score, and in in the back, I feel like Liverpool have a strong, you know, they full strength. I feel like they're gonna be strong, so we'll see how they're able to handle that, um, that you know, quick pace up the field by Barca and then sudden stop in the 18. Um, but I feel like both teams, you know, the flanks are going to have their hands full. Messi right. is going to be all over Robertson. Salah is going to be all over uh, Alba, I think, who plays on that side. And 
Liverpool cannot press too much. You know, last year in the, in the final, we saw them press against Madrid, and and you know it was devastating to see Salah go down because they were down their throats. They were down Sergio Ramos' throats in the beginning of the game, and you saw the intensity pick up because they kept trying to tackle them and got physical with them up front. So, <clears throat> you know that that's going to be something to watch. Definitely there. I, I, I personally think this game is going to be probably the best out of the semifinals, no doubt. But the game's going to become wide open. You talk about how Jurgen Klopp is going to have his hands full with this matchup here. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, to me, outside of Pep Guardiola in, in the EPL, is it, to me, he's my coach of the year. I mean, the phenomenal stuff that he's just done in his first couple seasons from Borussia Dortmund to come here in Liverpool and just reinvent and give a resurgence to this Liverpool to the Reds. It's just been astronomical and, and, and stuff. But I agree with you. In this matchup, you know, I like Liverpool to win this, and here's why. You mentioned about them sitting and playing counterattack. Well, I've always said throughout this, this, uh, this season for Barca, although they've been great up front with, with Suarez and Messi and, and, and the rest of them, um, and, and stuff. They, their Achilles here has been that back end. And what, what better test than Salah, Mane, and Firmino? These guys are going to be a pest on the flanks. And I really think that Liverpool's got the upper hand in, in this matchup because of w- their versatility and also their speed outside. Because Mane's African. You know, come on. That's enough said. And <laughs> you got Saleh, who's African as well. Um, you know, one of the more premier players in the world, and I think he's he's just getting up to the stage where one day he's going to solidify himself as one of the best players in the world, and, and Salah, and then Firmino can hurt you in the counterattack. I like Liverpool in this matchup. Am I crazy to think that? No, you're not crazy. The Liverpool, it's not, when we're talking about playing counterattack in football, it's nothing foreign to them. Liverpool is great at kicking into high gear just like Barcelona. They, they, they know how to get out on the break, and you talk about Roberto Firmino, he's an underrated passer. Uh, when 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 you see Mane and Salah just break out like that, and Firmino's trailing the play, he's and and they make something good happen. Firmino is always involved in some way, shape, or form. So I, I I like I like that you know that that they're gonna have that that advantage because Barcelona again the back line isn't as strong as you'd like it. Gerard Piquet is not a great tackler, and Jurgen Klopp. I just want to say something about what you said about Jurgen Klopp. I mean, for me. He's 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 coach of the year. If there's is there even an award for that? Yeah, yeah, there is, there is in in the EPL, of course, um, coach of the year and and other awards as well. But I, I I think he deserves it. And not only that, you know, he's put his team in contention to obviously win Champions League and also win the EPL. Exactly. What uh, accomplishment would that be back there in Anfield? You know what stands out to me most about that is how much he's done with less. I don't know if you, if you if you if you saw what I was talking about, but I mean, the, 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 there's no depth on this Liverpool team. If you can put out the eleven players, and there's not going to be a successful backup that is going to win you games. It's going to be a difference maker in the back line. Lovren and Joel Matip are nearly there because of for injury purposes, and in the mm-hmm. midfield, it's Gini Wijnaldum really up there. Naby Keita, uh, Henderson, and Fabinho. And I think Van Dyke is going to play huge in this matchup. Oh Here's yeah, I, he's yeah. I, this is going to be his test. This is going to be you know he's going to have uh, Luis Suarez and, and Felipe Coutinho breathing down his neck for this one, and I think he's up to the task because um, uh, you know Luis Suarez isn't as active as he used to be up front, and Coutinho is going to be trying to fire shots. Definitely there. I want to go back to that other semifinal with with the Ajax, um, the surprise, the Cinderella team in in, in Tottenham here. Uh, um, we're uncertain if Kane is going to play in this matchup uh, just because of in- injury injury issues. I've always said Kane and Lewandowski may be the best strikers, pure pure strikers in the world. Um, if healthy, I like Kane. If not, I can definitely see an upset in that matchup. Your thoughts? Well, I, you could definitely see uh, an upset for the, for the simple reason that Ajax is going to be looking for any advantage they can get. I mean, it's, it, I don't. I really don't think Ajax is sitting in that locker room saying we're the better team in any of these matchups. I think they're sitting there saying we're going to go out there and play the game we know how to play best, and that's energetic, fast-paced football. And if if Kane is not up there, Youngman's son is gonna. Obviously, they're gonna have to play him at the striker position, as well, or Fernando Llorente, but he's not going to get the job done. So if if Kane's on the field. 
you know, he's just like uh, Firmino, underrated passer, and he can make chances happen for the guys around him. So if he's not there, it's going to be a huge blow. Definitely there. Uh, a last question here uh, for you, Omar. Your your thoughts on VAR? Obviously, you know how Tottenham got here is because against Man City, um, a, a goal for Raheem Sterling got put away because of controversial offsides. Um, VAR since you know debuting in the World Cup last year, it has made it has created a lot of friction, a lot of conflict, and now fans back in Man City are upset because. You know, they're, the city boys aren't in the final four. Uh, the, the transition for VAR in, in soccer, what has that done? And do you think it's a great transition? I think it's a great transition for the simple fact that it's going to eliminate a lot of human error. You, you, people are still going to talk about human error with VAR because people, you know, it's obviously biased and opinion and, like, you know, maybe, oh, it didn't really hit this, whatever. It, the simple fact is that it without VAR, uh, that goal would have allowed Man City to go through. And let's be honest here, Sergio Aguero was offside by a fraction. Now, obviously, you know, on the field, it's not you're not going to be able to make that call and, and there's going to be controversy and whatever. But that's, that's why you have VAR. VAR showed that he was offside by just a fraction. And my opinion on VAR is it needs to be there. You know, there's a lot of corruption in football these days, especially in a, in a league like the Serie A, right? I'm, I'm a Milan fan through and through ever since uh, I was like 10 years old. So I know what it feels like to get screwed over by the officials. And I know what that feels like. So I'm always going to be pro VAR. And I feel like regardless of what people think, the benefits outweigh the negatives. The human error is going to be eliminated more than, you know, it, it'll stay if there isn't VAR. Well, your thoughts about what's a penalty, what's not a penalty, or if they didn't call it on the field and yet they go back into the monitor and look at that um, and things like that, uh, that kind of skewed a couple teams earlier in the tournament as well. Um, you know, you didn't call it on the field, so why do you go back in and you make changes? What's your what's your take on that? That's uh, a good question. So when the I feel like when the officials are on the field, I feel like there's a lot of second guessing going on, right? And oftentimes you, you you see refs make up for bad calls and they try to give teams other calls, you know, as to make up for that. Be like, okay, sorry for missing this call and this call, whatever. So, I, you know, I don't I don't I don't blame them for 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 stopping and you know thinking about it. I think that's the reason it's there. So that that's really that's really my short take on that. Definitely there. Myself, Michael Gray, and Omar here on the Sebi Podcast Show. And folks, excitement is coming up. Don't go nowhere because all three of us are going to chime in. The NBA playoffs. We're going to touch base on that. Folks, you're listening to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hi, I'm Fanny. I'm Cecilia. I'm Joanna. And I'm Alwyn Jr. And we are Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And we would love to give a special thanks to Sebi Podcast Crew for keeping us up to date with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If so, reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs and be sure to let us know that Sebi Podcast sent you. Thank you. Thank you.
We're back here on the City Podcast Radio Show here. Our last segment here today, guys, is proud and sponsored by Geico Gecko. Hey, you could be a human. You can even be an animal. Trust me. Even a gecko knows. 15 minutes can save you 15% on your car insurance. And look, the guys here in the Central Florida have told us, if you want any auto insurance, life insurance, whatever it may be, our guys and our friends from Geico has told us to do it. Our proud sponsors here on Geico. And folks, you know, fellas, I mean, you want to talk about the NBA playoffs. I mean, uh, some of these matchups are are, are nearing an, an end. Um, I want to give it to you guys uh, first. What's some, some of the best matchups that we've seen in the first round? And, and ultimately, are we going to see uh, moving on for in the latter parts of the playoffs here? Without without question, the best series so far has to be the San Antonio Spurs and Denver Nuggets series. This ser- this series is two to two, and to be honest with you, Sebi, I think Denver grew up in that game pool. I wasn't expecting them to go into San Antonio after coming off the the game three loss. I wasn't expecting them to win that game. I was actually expecting San Antonio to pull away, but Denver just showed that they have so many different weapons on so many different sides. They they have weapons off the bench with the uh, with uh, 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 Beasley and Morris and Plumley as well. And this team is a Denver has always been a much better team when Nikola Jokic is being aggressive. Right. He's a great passer, and we all know what he can do as far as facilitating and setting setting uh, within a pick and roll game and stuff. But when he's aggressive and looking for his shot and getting physical in the post and drawing fouls, this that that's when this team looks like the number two team in the West that we've seen all season. And that's what they showed in that game four is that when when Jokic is aggressive, even the Spurs and Greg Popovich's system can't even mess with the, with this team because it because Denver is that lethal. I, I, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like. I, right now, it looks like it's going to be a seven game series. And to be honest with you, Sebi, I think the playoffs are just getting warmed up. I I think these second round matchups on both sides, East and West, are going to be classics. I mean, you're talking about what we already have in place for the Celtics and the Bucks. In the second round, I see that possibly being a six to seven game series. You have the potential Toronto Raptors versus the Philadelphia 76ers in the second round. I see that potentially being a seven game series. You also have in the, in the in the West. Well, in the West, we have a lot of things still to still to decide because I'm not sleeping on OKC just yet. I don't think they pull off the three one upset, but I don't think it's going to be over just like that. I think uh, Portland is really going to have to work for it. And whatever whatever their matchup would be in the second round would be is going to be lethal and legit and pos- and you have everybody easily saying that the Golden State Warriors Houston Rockets series is going is the championship is is going to decide who whoever wins that series is going to win the championship in a lot of and a lot of uh, NBA analysts and a lot of sports sports people's eyes. So I think to be honest with you, the first round was just a warm up of what we're getting ready to see in this second round and in the, and in the conference finals. Yes, a lot of dress rehearsal matchups, um, definitely for the Bucks, Celtics, uh, Golden State Warriors, and of course the Rockets. A lot of stuff to uh, to play for. Um, we know that Game Fives, the percentages are seventy six percent. Whoever wins Game Fives will go on and win the series. And, and, and Omar, to you, um, some storylines and some things that stand out thus far. Well, I agree with everything Michael said. Everything is big facts. I mean, we're waiting on the second round of the East because it's been boring as hell in the first <laughs> round. Um, but a couple things that stick out like a, a sore thumb to me are the Western Conference matchups, uh, uh, Golden State and, and the Clippers. And it's something, you know, I, a lot of credit to the Clippers. You know, you, I, you know, it's hard to put a team like that together and expect to win against the Warriors. But you're talking about a Warriors who's mentally not there uh, until, you know, maybe the second or third round. So you're playing with that, but I think there's there's very like th- what the Achilles heel with the Clippers is they're, they they just if if they let go of the of the gas pedal, uh, Warriors are gone. And yep. even with Montrez Harrell off the bench, and it frees up more fluidity in the starting lineup, Gallinari in this series has been non-existent. Yep. When we yep. when we saw Gallinari in in Denver, he was this this guy who can just score anywhere on the floor, spot up threes. He can post you up. He can pull up on the three. And in this series, they've 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 not been able to get him involved. I, Doc Rivers has to make Dalio Gallinari a, a shooter, period. Just a shooter. He has to get him in situations where he's freed up on the wing and let him take those shots to get his confidence back. He cannot be one of he cannot be a guy they run plays through like that anymore. And 
with most of those plays going through Shy, Bev, Shamit, Gallinari would benefit with some of those rotations and, and, you know, moving off the ball and getting some of those shots for his confidence. If they want any chance, which I doubt is is, is going to happen. I mean, it, there's, I don't think they're going to blow another lead, the Warriors. <laughs> but the other, uh, the other uh, matchup is obviously Blazers and Thunder. I think, I think, Michael, you're right. They're going to have to fight for it. But, you know, the, I, what I really like, you know, about teams like the Blazers, you know, the, the little things. They find a way to deceive the defense, especially against OKC. You know, they consistently mm-hmm. find players in sneaky spots. Mm-hmm. You know, they sneakily find their way to be open. I'll be honest. I don't know how I didn't really find a route for that plan by Terry Stotts, but that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, for, for, as, for as simple as that sounds, a lot of teams in this league don't know how to move off the ball. A lot of teams in this league have it, find it hard to get in, uh, in open spaces and, 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 you know, allow themselves to score fluent, uh, fluently. And um, it's because of Dame and CJ, obviously. They're, they're, going, they're going off. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I want to uh, take a minute and, and talk about this specific matchup here. Nobody saw 3-1. I had a Thunder and 6. That was my initial, um, uh, you know, prognostications on, on this matchup. I thought that, you know, I knew the Blazers had the great backcourt of CJ and, and Lillard, but I knew that that could have been offset by the star power of PG, who was in MVP considerations, along with Russell Westbrook. Nobody see 3-1 down, but what we can say thus far, as, as from the eye test, from what I'm seeing, one team can shoot the three, the other team can't shoot the three, uh, outside of Paul George. That's mm-hmm. one. The other yep. thing I've seen is um, I, I think that this Blazers team is – underrated defensively i mean that what right. they're what they're saying is okay george and westbrook we're gonna force you guys and, and make you work as drivers to drive everything because we don't believe guys like felton grant um you know schroeder and guys off the bench um morris to a certain extent can beat us on the three-point arc and so i think that's been the big biggest discrepancy a team can shoot and the other team can't shoot um terry scott's is definitely out coach billy donovan on, on the coaching aspect of it, but I, I'm surprised at this. Steven Adams is one of my biggest fans, you know, a guy big that I enjoy watching. He's been thoroughly outplayed by Ennis Cannon. Ennis Cannon, we know he's a skilled, big, great offensive, but a defensive liability. He's been excellent in this series. And so I, I, I want to know what's the trouble that Oklahoma City is down 1-3 uh, to this Blazers team? That you just brought up a great point in Ennis Cancer. Ennis Cancer is a skilled big man. Obviously, he's, he doesn't have the physical prowess that Stephen Adams has, and Stephen Adams has an advantage down low as far as playing bully ball. But bully ball is only going to get you so far when you're going against a skilled big man that not is he's not only very skilled, but he's one of the best offensive rebounders in basketball. He's great he on finds the glass. A way, he finds a, he finds a way to get that ball off the glass and get it back mm-hmm. to Dame and CJ McCollum and those boys. And he's like you said, he's thoroughly outplaying them because. He's, he can stretch the floor. He can pull Steven Adams away from the paint if need be, which can create lanes for Dame and CJ get into the lane and get, if need be and drawing fouls and potentially getting and ones. But like you said, you're absolutely right about Terry Stotts. He, the, he's, he's thoroughly outcoached Billy Donovan. And it's, it's, it's almost got to the point where it's not even said. This, this team is rated that I actually, before the series started, I had them winning the series. I had them winning the series in seven. It looks like it might be over before that. But at the same time, I'm not counting this okay, OKC team out because of the heart that Russell Westbrook and them have. I'm not counting them out just yet. But at the same time, the reason they, they look so good right now is because of the production that they get, not only from their starters, but off the bench. We have Rodney Hood giving great minutes. You have Zach Collins giving great minutes. Miles Leonard giving great minutes. You have guys, uh, uh, Mo Harkless and Alfa Rukaminu are playing absolutely sensational right now. And this Blazers team is special, man. If they would have had Yusuf Nurkic, I would have picked them to win in five or six. But the fact that they didn't have Nurkic, they, they might it might get pushed to seven. But but right now they look real good right now, and I'm not I wouldn't be surprised at all if they close it out and win the series tonight. Right, rightfully so. The Blazers have definitely want to rewrite the wrongs of getting swept by the New Orleans Pelicans last year. Damon CJ definitely on a mission to push the Blazers back to perhaps the. Glory days of the 90s with uh, Drexler and those boys there. Um, uh, let's talk about this Denver and San Antonio matchup. You talked about how Denver grew up. I got a chance to watch that game from start to finish on Saturday. Um, Jokic got involved, and, and, and 
we know how great of a passer he is, but I think that what Greg Popovich was doing is that he he was neutralizing his passing ability because when Jokic gets involved and he has like triple double assists, that's when the Denver Nuggets are unstoppable. You know, they get the threes going and he gets other people involved. Well, what, what Jokic seemingly kind of figured out in game four is that, hey, you know, like I have to be aggressive and I have to score because once I score, you know, that opens up my passing yes. game because they're yep. going to double. And you saw that. And so I want to pass this to Omar here. Um, Denver grew up in game four. What are some things that Mike Malone's team can transition and take back to the Pepsi Center for game five? Well, I think what, what Mike Malone needs to do is get more guys involved. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes, you know, I watch and I see Nikola Jokic um, and he's trying, you know, sometimes it's not, it's not always, but, you know, of course the little things matter. Sometimes, you know, there's just it's four guys, they're playing four out. Jokic is trying to make something happen. And I feel like in those type of situations, there's always going to be cuts. There's always going to be backdoors that can happen. There's always going to be something that can move the ball a little more than they rely on Jokic for. Right, right. I have a weird feeling that the Spurs may win Game Five. Greg Popovich I do too. adjustments here. Your, your thoughts yeah, yeah, on that, Mike? I, I do too. It's, I have a funny feeling as well because I want to see how Denver responds after a great win on the road. And I know, I know what San Antonio is going to bring. They're going to bring that same intensity that they bring every game. And to be honest with you, Sebi, they should be up 3-1. They, if it, they were Jamal Murray 21.4 quarter away from literally being up 3-1 in this series. But that's how the playoffs work. And I, we know how good they can play on the road. They, 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 they literally could have easily won both of those games in Denver. And so the, the, the altitude doesn't bother them. And they know, they know mentally they can go into game five and they know they can play well and they can play, they can produce. It's going to come down to the end whether or not they close or not. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I have a funny feeling about this game five as well for San Antonio. Um, I'm not ruling Denver out just yet because they do play good at home, very well at home, and they might ride that momentum. But I'm not sleeping on San Antonio. This is going to be a great game. This might, to be honest with you, Sebi, this might be the best game of the series. This might be the game of the best series. We all know winners of game five ultimately win the series 76% of the time. Um, we've got two matchups tonight, uh, fellas. We, we've got Golden State and the Warriors tonight. We think that may be a closeout game for the Warriors. And the Magic going back to Toronto, down 1-3, Siakam, and also Kawhi Leonard dictating tempo in that series. Uh, do we both assume these two are closeout games tonight, right? Closeout games, for sure. It's a wrap. For sure, yeah, for sure. I, I, do, I, do, I did want to say something about Golden State. That Omar brought up a great point about Golden State. I, I wanted to capitalize on it. He... um. One thing, I, I hate to see injuries, but the best thing that probably happened for the Warriors is the fact that DeMarcus Cousins is in the, in the lineup right now. The, the fact right. that DeMarcus Cousins isn't in the lineup um, makes Kevin Durant more aggressive, gives him the shots that he needed. Kevin Durant took eight shots in game two. And, 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 and come on, now, Kevin Durant, this is, one, this is the most lethal scorer in the game when he wants to right. be aggressive. In history, maybe. In, 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 <laughs> and possibly in history, like you said, right. And eight shots for a playoff game, for him, is absolutely unacceptable. And we saw how lethal he can be in Game 3 and Game 4 as well, having 38 in Game game 3 and 33 in Game 4. So I, I think, to be honest with you, that may have freed up Steph and KD and Clay as well to a certain extent because he, he went off in Game 4 as well. So I think the fact that Golden State lost Boogie Cousins may have been the best thing for their title hopes because not only did he free them, did he free them up, but he made them faster. They, they, right, they can right. move at that fast pace that they normally love playing at, and uh, hey, you want and I, and I love you, you want to. Sorry, to interrupt you. You want to talk about impact? I mean, the exact opposite is happening with the Thunder because if Stephen Adams, I mean, if uh, if uh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook and them are not playing good, Stephen Adams is not playing good. So it's like it's like a reverse. It's like for some reason it's sort of a reverse effect. So they're gonna have to figure that yeah. out. Definitely, definitely. There, you talk about to the Warriors there. Uh, you see the versatility. You got Jordan Bell in a lineup. Kevon Looney can move his feet and not a defensive liability on pick and rolls because what a lot of teams were doing with Boogie is put him in pick and rolls and right. having him uh, a guard that that rolling man or um, high ball screens. And I think nobody, no no team in the NBA better than the Rockets do a better job than putting bigs in position to guard pick and rolls. And that's where they can really hurt you uh, there. So, they might have been a blessing in disguise for the Warriors as they looked their quest to 
three-peat there. Um, we only know one matchup thus far for the second round, um, and, and we'll end it here uh, for, for the day in our episode, guys. Boston and Milwaukee, these guys have been in a collision course in the first round. Boston sweeping. A Wolf for Indiana team that, you know, that's really good. Dave McMillan is in, you know, a coach of the year con- uh, considerations. But without Oladipo, they were definitely hindered in this series. And then the Bucks, just too much. Just too much for the Pistons. I mean, let's be honest, the Pistons didn't have a chance. Both teams brought out the brooms early. Now we have ourselves a titanic matchup. Top-seeded Milwaukee versus number four Celtics. There was a lot of, you know, expectations this season for Boston, bringing back Hayward and Kyrie. Uh, This was supposed to be their time to get to the finals. Now all of a sudden, Gordon Hayward rounding into form. Kyrie Irving, I consider him the best closer in the game. And, Mm -hmm. And you have this team. Um, buying into it now. And you know, Mike, nothing makes me happier than mar- watching my Celtics do well. Absolutely. So, you, yourself and, and, and Omar here, your thoughts on this second round matchup and, and what a great matchup this can be. Oh, man. This is the this is what we're waiting for. This is the playoffs. This is when the playoffs start for both of these teams. Both of these teams had warm-up series in the first round. Obviously, you know, they, it was some some adversity that they went through in, in, in the rounds, but when it came to the outcome, it was all said and done. We all knew who was going to win these series. This is what we came to see. These two teams right here. This is what the people want. <laughs> this is what the people came to see. We want to see this matchup. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo and the, the number one seed in Milwaukee Bucks coming in to avenge their loss to the Boston Celtics last year in the first round. And they're a much better team than they were last year. But this Boston team is much better than they were last year as well. And you have two titanic matchups. I I still pick Boston to win this series. I have Boston winning in six. I think it's going to be a split. They're going to split the first two games, one and one. I think Boston is going to secure both games at home and in Boston. Milwaukee comes back and wins game five, and Boston closes it out in game six. That's how I see the series going um, in the Celtics' favor. In order for the Celtics to win this series, Kyrie has to be at his best. He has to be at his best, and I feel like he will because in high-leverage moments in big-time games, he shows up, and Brad Stevens finds a way to make sure that he gets more touches than usual. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see this matchup. I, I, do, I, I've heard, I do understand that Malcolm Brogdon is coming back for the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's a huge piece for them. And that this could, and, and that's, that's going to be a major piece for them as far as, as far as I'm concerned. But I feel like as far as the matchups are concerned, Boston matches up very well with Milwaukee, and and in, in high leverage moments they have a guy, a closer that I want the ball in his hands to to make things happen, and that's Kyrie Irving, and I feel like he will close the deal and 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 win this series for Boston and, and close out a couple of the games to 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 make it for four known. I expect this to be a dog fight every single game. I don't expect not one blowout because most teams are hungry and they have something to play for, and this, I think this is going to be one of the best series to watch. Well, wouldn't that make me happier, Mike, uh, to hear my C's going to the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, but let, let's uh, these two teams uh, met last year. They hate each other. These right. guys are, are all rivals. And Malcolm Brogdon coming back. People tend to forget this. Sneaky. He's a 50-40-90 yes. guy. That's right. Only Steve Nash has been in that club twice, Steph Curry twice, and Dirk Nowitzki. That's 50% from the field, 40% from deep and 90% from the line, 93 actually. So Omar, are you buying in that Boston matches up here well against Milwaukee? Or do you think that, you know, this Milwaukee is just beginning their deep postseason run and and, want to get back to a chip since 73 when Oscar Robinson got it for them? Well, I think both of these teams are beginning a a postseason run because, I mean, even with Blake Griffin, the Pistons didn't stand a chance. And... (laughs) They, the Boston Celtics mentally needed that, right? We were talking about the Celtics. You know, they they were so deflated during the regular season, and and as the playoffs, you know, came closer, they they found some confidence. So I think they needed that, you know, that little extra oomph. They're playing the Pistons and saying, okay, we're this dominant team. We need to carry this into the second round. But on the other hand, you got a great defensive team, an absolutely great defensive team in the Bucks, and they're yes, even if they do match up well, they're gonna have uh, the Celtics are gonna have their hands full. Because they, they they can they're they're able they're able to stop Kyrie Irving with different schemes and they can put Malcolm Brogdon on him he'll have a tougher time than usual so for me 
it was both it, the jury was out on both of these teams. For me, it, this is the round where I'm like I'm looking at them and seeing what they can really do, especially for the people who think you know Giannis is MVP. But we'd have to see because of lack of experience if he can carry them past the Celtics, who've been there already. They've been to the conference finals <clears throat> without Kyrie. Right, and people tend to forget the Celtics are back to back Eastern Conference finalists. Yep, um, looking for a third year. And, and uh, how big of a role, Omar, this is going to play? Because this is youth versus a little bit of experience, too, kind of like with Denver and San Antonio. Boston's been here. These young guys aren't young anymore. Tatum been to a conference finals. Jalen Brown has been to back-to-back conference finals. Uh, you know, Shemi Ojale, guys like that. Uh, Boston's depth is going to show up because of their uh, – Marcus, Moore, uh, Marcus Morris as well. Um, I know Marcus Smart is going to hinder them, especially in this series. But uh, Bucks have never won a playoff series until – just yesterday, 24 hours ago. So Boston has been here and the Bucks haven't. So where, who do they look at? Do they look at Mike Boonoza, the coach? Who do they look at in a series like this, Omar? I'm looking at the Celtics. I'm looking because they everything is in their favor. Like you said, they've been there. They have the, they have the young guys. They're motivated. Well, I mean, they are young, you know, regardless of how many conference finals they've been to. But again, the jury's out on the Bucks. They haven't been there yet inexperienced you you know Mike Budenholzer I don't doubt his uh his you know his his basketball acumen he's smart you know he's obviously done this great job with the Bucks but I, they're looking at the Celtics they're looking at if Brad Stevens can get this right then they're gonna be they might be the guys that come out the east I have Toronto coming out the east at the moment uh because of you know obviously they're playing a little tougher uh, opponent in the magic than you know the Pacers were to the Celtics right. but nonetheless I feel like they the they're going to be looking at the Celtics to do their job in this series. Right. A wild card for me, Brooke Lopez. He hit yeah. a, a center who hit over 100 threes. Uh, uh, come on. I mean, Shaq is somewhere out there. Um, sad. <laughs> sad. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is somewhere out there. Sad. Hakeem, the dream. Elijah Warren is somewhere oh, crying because, you know, back in the days they couldn't do that. So that's my wild card. He's my wild card on, on this series. Any fa- factors or any players that's going to be a pivotal factor in this matchup? I, I see I see Gordon Hayward, like you said. Gordon Hayward can be pivotal in this matchup. Jason Tatum as well. I think Jason Tatum has a breakout um, uh, series as well. But I'm actually going to go towards, for the Celtics, I'm actually going to go to Jalen Brown because of because of the fact that he's filling in for Marcus Smart and he's playing that pivotal role of getting those starting minutes. He, I, like, I like what I saw from him in the last couple of games against the Pacers. You know, they went eight for nine and 23 points in game three. And he had a solid game four as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I'm looking forward to seeing how he competes and and, and, and what he is able to do on both sides in this series because I think he can be a key factor. Because you're right, I I don't like I don't like the fact that they don't have Marcus Smart in this matchup. Marcus Smart is is that grinder that you need in a matchup like this for the he's he's geared for the playoffs, and and Jalen Brown is fulfills in that role. He can do a lot of the things Marcus Smart can do, but Marcus Smart is Marcus Smart when you have both of them. That just shows you how lethal this Boston team can be. But uh, I'm definitely looking at Jalen Brown and, and Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum and, you know, Rozier and these guys. Right. And Omar, an X factor for you. I'm looking at the point guard matchup. Malcolm Brogdon coming back, he's going to be on Kyrie and Kyrie as the leader. All year, this drama, all year, you know, we're, we're, we're asking ourselves if Kyrie is, is going to be capable of, of bringing the team to the finals. So I, I'm, I'm looking at what he's able to do because I don't think that like, you know, I don't think Kyrie's even a point. I, I think he's, he, he's a shooting guard. I think that's why I'm out on him because I want to see if he can take a team to the promised land. They did it without him. And if they can do it with him. And I like what Michael uh, said about Gordon Hayward, right? Gordon Hayward's always been that cog that like no one's, no one's understood. Like he just got thrown in there because he's Brad Stevens buddy. And right. I think, I think he could have he could have he could have done a much better job coming off the bench. So that you know, it's it, not a lot of people talk about that. You know, there's a lot of players that could be coming off the bench for teams and can make a much bigger difference than they do in the, the current no they have. And Gordon Hayward can be one of those guys for no sure. No doubt, definitely there. Last question, and I'm gonna start off with Omar here. <laughs> Good luck with this one. How do you defend? How do you neutralize Giannis Antetokounmpo? This guy is is a freak. Um, I saw a stat the other day: most points since Shaq. So uh, I, I'm the floor with you. If you're Brad Stevens, 
What's your scheme against him? I do not know, Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, me tell, let me tell you this. Giannis is the type of guy to take one step around you in the post and just flat out dunk it. I mean, you seriously can just three steps from the three-point line and he'll score the, the ball. It, you know why the Celtics can't double-team Giannis? Because of the shooters yes. they have. The Bucks, right. the Bucks have, have shooters galore. So Giannis, he can see over everybody. It's not like, you know, they can double-team someone and they're going to jump and grab the ball from him. He can just tiptoe and they'll be fine. So... You know that is gonna be uh, the that that actually that might be the X factor. See how they guard uh, uh, Giannis and see how you know they deal with uh, recovering on the shooters if they do decide to double team. Right, I, I agree. You've, the, this is a guy that you know you can't really double because you got shooters everywhere. Miritich to Chris Middleton, who may also be an X factor in this matchup. His defensive prowess is also his scoring. Uh, you got Lopez as well um, in, in this matchup here. And so, Mike, how do you I think guard the Giannis? best? I think the best. The best. I don't think you really can guard Giannis because he's that lethal. But the best way to neutralize him to some degree is one, get physical with him, and, and the Boston has the players and Al Horford and Aaron Baines to get physical with him, and two, force him into force him to becoming a shooter. Sag off of him in the paint. As well as he shot the three ball this year compared to the years past, I would still force him to be a shooter because he hasn't proven that he can uh, be, a, be a consistent knockdown knockdown shooter that, um, um, that, that, that we, we know he can be in the future. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten there yet. So I would force him outside and make sure I pack the paint and keep my hands up and try not to foul. Because with his unorthodox way of, of, of getting to the basket, it's easy for him to draw fouls because he takes up so much space. But if you continuously pack the paint and you get physical with him, and you have to have the personnel to do it. It's not like, it's not like a game plan will work. And sometimes a game plan isn't enough. Like you need the personnel, and I think Boston has the personnel to get physical with him, with Baines and Horford and, and, and those guys. And, and I, I think that's the, best, that's the best fit is to pack the paint and force him to shoot him. If he beats you with the jump shot, then so be it. You got to tip your hat off to him. <laughs> that, that, that'll be right. interesting to see because the Bucs are, are a pretty big team yep. physically. Yeah, physically there. Giannis with a jump shot. Scary thoughts. You're, you're pretty much yeah. done. A lot of things to watch out for. Giannis, Kyrie, Paul. Curry, KD, Harden, all of the marathon of the NBA playoffs to be expected in the second round. Folks, we want to thank you and enjoy us here today. Myself, Michael Gray, and a special guest, Omar, with us here on the hotline today, folks. And if you guys want to know, absolutely, there we thank no you doubt, for being man. on the show. And if you've missed any of our episodes, guys, make sure to check us out any of our episodes and all of our social streaming Do a great job, social media Do a great platforms. Job, Omar, Omar, what's the social media, <laughs> they, my brother? Uh, it's at OOBS Sports. At, o, at OOB Sports. Yeah. Right. At OOBS Sports. Um, folks, you get to listen to Omar, myself, Michael Gray, and the entire cast of this every podcast show. We want to say so long from now inside WNSC. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info some cool merch if you want to dm us and send us all of your email requests we'll be sure to get them here on the sebi podcast experience and remember folks whether you're listening on air or viewing online sebi podcast is wherever you go and that is the slogan